0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Believe in Northwestern Football Podcast, a podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. You believe. I am Peter Warren. I am joined by my co-host, former All Big Ten receiver Jeremy Ebert, and also we have with us our first special guest, a fellow uh, All Big Ten player, Brian Peters. Jeremy, talk to us a little bit about you know your former roommate and teammate Brian.
1: Well, Brian obviously was a phenomenal player for the Wildcats. Um, I was lucky enough to uh, be his roommate for uh, a couple of years. And we, uh, you know, shared uh, shared the locker right next to one another for four. So uh, I know him pretty well, um, both from the Columbus, Ohio area. And, um, you know, he's been a great friend, uh, you know, ever since my freshman year. So i um, happy to have him on. He's quite the, uh, the journeyman, uh, you know, post, uh, post-Northwestern with a pretty stellar career, you um, in the cfl and of course the nfl and um he basically um you know paved the way for a lot of people um you know showing them how to do it the hard way so um, we're happy to have him on and and uh, pumped to hear his story
0: yeah it's awesome you know brian the in right now you know thanks for being on the podcast with us today thanks for having me on guys i'm excited
2: it's a ball of energy this guy just get ready yeah, I just uh, I just finished up a workout, so you guys are getting me in a uh, peak mindset right now. Just coming down off with some pre workout, so
0: <laughs> oh, ideal
2: great. scenario for both sides.
1: <laughs> so, Brian, like, uh, like, uh, let's like let's just start at the beginning, man. Let's uh, let's hear about your career at Northwestern. Um, you know what it was like to play with the Cats, and
2: um, kind of just give your take on it. Um. Okay. That's easy. Um, obviously Northwestern was an incredible experience for me. Uh, even the recruiting process like Fitz and coach Mac, uh, uh, Matt McPherson, a uh, phenomenal recruiter, um, made it very easy to make the decision. Um, and kind of just spoke to the potential that Northwestern had as a program, then obviously as a school, and then even to the allure of Chicago and all that, um, came true. But obviously, uh, my first year I redshirted, and, uh, obviously a little frustrated with that. And, uh, obviously being away from home and that kind of thing. But uh, eventually uh, I found uh, a good routine. I, I, I latched onto my coaches and leaders on the team, was uh, able to work into a role as a redshirt freshman there and, uh, and kept growing from there. My, uh, my career there was pretty organic, I guess. I started as uh, like a special teams player and moved into a role player on defense. And eventually that grew into a starting position by my sophomore year. And uh, never really looked back. I just worked on getting better, whether it was learning from uh, Brendan Smith and Brad Phillips, or we actually had an incredible GA assistant who's now a scout for the Eagles, Alan Walking, that uh, did an incredible job just helping me do some self-assessment and scouting other guys uh, of similar talent around the uh, around the country and learning from the best in the country, and then then that just grew habits into trying to become uh, a great player and a leader for the Wildcats and obviously uh, Fitz and coach Brown had a huge hand in that obviously uh, coach Brown on more of a day-to-day and just like picking his ear and the wisdom of the game and then uh, Fitz truly I mean Fitz truly helped me mature obviously as a player but as a person too so I can't uh, I can't say enough about what Northwestern has done for me and my experience there it's it's truly incredible I'm still friends with um, like really close friends with ten to fifteen guys that I played with. So it's been uh it's been fun just as alumni too, just to see the strength of the the experience and obviously like some of the roots in, in football for me and work ethic and my perspective on life is what kinda drove me to take the long road to the NFL as well because they they instilled in me that like I could play and and play at the highest level. So I used those uh um really those pillars and uh that foundation to I guess get me through some harder times when I was going through the arena league and I got cut from the UFL and then I went and did two and a half years up in the CFL and that kind of thing and eventually got opportunities with the Vikings and the Texans and that kind of thing. So uh obviously like I uh I'm gonna sing Northwestern's praises till I can't speak anymore, but uh hopefully that's good enough for what you guys want to hear.
0: Yeah, that was awesome. Uh one thing you mentioned there I thought it was really interesting to sort of talk you talking about finding a, a routine, you know, the those first three years you're uh in Evanston can you sort of talk more about what that routine was and how you sort of developed that yeah for sure um, very, pretty
2: simple um obviously like my first year like my I don't think my priorities were straight anyways um obviously like you want the college experience and then you start realizing that with football and the six am workouts and uh, a course and everything you kind of got to grow up pretty quick so um it was more like searching for my habits and there to balance first but after like after I got my um my training routine down like um studying went hand in hand with that with that discipline so um the simplest routines initially um because i mean that th- those years kind of start with football season because we're there before the student body and before classes start so i was able to uh, kind of ingrain those disciplines with football and at that time it was uh either strength training with larry loja and then i used some of my uh, doctor's tactics from back in pickerington who's he was also my trainer. And then, um, then learning from, uh, Brennan and Brad, they, uh, they're both very different players. Brennan was a great on the field coach and Brad was a great in the classroom coach. So I kind of pick and chose what I learned from them and what film to study and how to do it efficiently, but also how to process it and play fluidly on the field from Brennan. So, um, basically my, my routines and habits became taking care of my body with my doctor's protocols, getting strong with Larry Lilja, and then, breaking down film with Brad and then just like having fun and uh, playing in a free state like Smitty. And I just adopted those as my habits and uh, tried to make the best of my, uh, my production on the football field with that.
1: I mean, you mentioned, you know, two of the great safeties and, um, and Smitty was a captain this year for the, um, for the Wildcats, bringing them back to, uh, to Evanston, you know, after his California lifestyle. But I feel like both of you guys um, took very similarities. You guys both always seem to make the big play in, in crucial situations, whether it was interceptions or fumble recoveries. Um, it was, it's kind of like funny how you kind of took that knack um, of being that big play guy for us. I, I just remember like, you know, I didn't watch a ton of defense cause obviously, you know, you guys, you know, we were always scoring points, but um, it just seemed like you, you always were there. You and Maven kind of always made those big plays in those big situations. And it's like, was that, is that more of a, of a Brendan Smith thing or is, you know, a little bit of a give and take obviously with, um, um, it's, it's,
2: the, it's obviously a little bit of both. Cause obviously like I was in the right position sometimes because of the way I studied film and like, like I can, like, I, like I can remember three interceptions in particular that were like a result of film. So like, it, it, it all just kind of depends on the situation and scenario. But at the end of the day, man, like you can only prepare so much and you try and get into that again that that free state of control on the field and um yeah i mean like the the, the plays come i think uh like hard work always works like the cream rises to the top kind of concepts where if you put the time in like there i don't believe in like lucky tip balls i don't believe in that kind of stuff because like everything i did to get on the field to be in that position for the tip or whatever it ends up being or the fumble recovery or an earned one hand interception or anything like that, like everything like that's earned. And I, I, I truly hate when people start talking about luck on the football field. Um, so just as far as that goes, I think it's just uh, just kind of like the cruel of hours, man. You put uh, all the hours in and it eventually shows on the field. And um, that's some, that's something we had in our group, like uh, between like you, Drake, definitely Dan, Dan was one of the most committed uh, players. Dan Persa's most committed players I play with still to this day. After going through four years in the NFL and all those other leagues, um, um, we had a lot of guys that were committed and put the time in, and it showed. Like when we we're running seven on sevens in the summertime uh, and team workouts and that kind of stuff, everybody's competing, everybody's uh, chirping each other, everybody's working, and uh, I think that's why like we had good teams and we started to develop a strong foundation for the, the Northwestern program. I think that's that's all just kind of part of it. So I don't think any like I don't think any of your touchdowns were a result of x y and z or the people before you a little bit but like it's just kind of like you put in the time and that's what we got and i think that's the culture and obviously that's what fits in those guys have continued to sustain
1: yeah and i I think you hit the nail on the head with with Persa. like just thinking back now like how serious seven on sevens and voluntary workouts actually were like whereas like you kind of see now like being around you know programs and such is kind of like a you know a goof off session at times like it was it was like basically a a rant, scheduled run program that, that Dan Persa put on in 7-on-7 seven seven in the offseason. And um, I think that, you know, benefited us, you know, tremendously um, just to kind of shows like the leadership we kind of had on on our teams as we had we had some great leaders that that allowed us to, you know, take that offseason very seriously.
2: Oh, very much so. And I, I think, again, after playing a lot of football, you start to learn that, um, the teams that are self-led, like obviously, like everything comes from the top down. But then the day, like the the heart and soul is the locker room, and if you have good guys and you have guys that obviously care and put the time in as well, um, it's it's unmistakable. The team, like the best teams I've been on, have had strong player leaders that um, compete and hold each other accountable, and we and we definitely had that because those like again, I used to love the seven on seven because it, like it it would it would end up being like kinda of like me versus Dan sometimes calling plays and checking out of stuff and but like what comes with that is like again like me communicating with the linebackers underneath, like what I like what I need help with, what they need help with, like that kind of thing. And that's where you start to, I guess, find the weaknesses and the coverages and that kind of thing. And then you start building techniques and coaching each other off that. And then when it comes game time when the bullets are flying, you're out there and something goes wrong like everybody feels it more because you've already talked it out before like oh hey this is what happened like number number two ran that out again we were late to it whatever it ends up being um it just it just cleans up lines of communication and makes you more successful come game day obviously all those reps and that time put in
1: absolutely absolutely like i mean you couldn't say it any better um peter you want to kind of move on from there like um you want to <laughs> i don't know if you want to hear too many stories of brian and i <laughs>
0: I mean, I mean, it's just fascinating because you know, I uh, come from sort of the journalist side and sort of the media side. You know, we don't, we don't get to see a lot of sort of what goes on in practice. Obviously, during the season, we don't. I went to a few, you know, closed practices in the summer, but I mean, you mentioned like hearing this – I, it's a seven-on-seven seven. It was intense, but it sounds like it's hearing the stories of what you guys were doing. That's like, I mean, that's some fascinating stuff, and you can really see sort of, you know, from my perspective, that's really sounds like the core and the chemistry and where you guys really built built those bonds, you know, on the field that sort of, you know, made you guys in turn really turn the program into what's become today.
2: For sure, yeah. So when, like, coaches aren't around, like, that's kind of where, like, either you're forced to speak up or you're you're not forced to learn, but, like, obviously, like, you want to um, obviously be the best teammate, most valuable person you can for the team because you care about the boys next to you. So, like, in those instances, like, I had to learn the defense and all the calls for the personnel's so I can make the calls for seven on seven. Cause I don't have um, coach Hank out there making the calls or anything like that. And the same thing on Dan's side, like he schemed up plays they want to work on or something that they want to implement the next year. Like he can go back to McCall, like when the off season's over and say, Hey, we worked these three things, whatever it worked really well against their cover four, or whatever, like return three, whatever we're running, that kind of stuff. So it was a, it's definitely a cool opportunity. Like this again, same thing in the NFL when you get, a special teams player leading a a player run meeting, like guys can are more open to like talk and say like guys aren't scared to look bad in front of coaches or anything like that. So it's a, it's, it's, it's really a cool experience. And like, that's why a lot of coaches and I think some of the best coaches focuses on team building and uh, like, again, just developing rapport with the guys and uh, like obviously implementing ideas where the coaches aren't around all the time and guys can kind of sort things out and become leaders on their own.
1: Yeah, and, and we we do like I don't know if it still is, but I'm assuming it is. Like the, the locker room at Northwestern is is pretty special because you don't have a ton of walk ons. It's 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 basically the guys you came in with, and um it's it's a tight knit group. Like I mean I I mean I can't remember how many freaking Saturday nights and stuff. It was you know who you hanging out with. It was it was half the football team. You know it was it, all those guys in those locker rooms were your brothers. They were the people that you know you looked out for, and they looked out for you. And I, I just it, it, it's kind of a special a special place for sure and i think looking back like with football like what what do i miss the most like i i miss i miss the locker room i miss <laughs> i miss uh you know after practices and and after games in that locker room with those guys i think that's uh it kind of speaks volumes
2: yeah for sure it's a it's a support system um and a lot of aspects obviously social physical like all that stuff but like ends up growing into a, a very strong support system that's why um again like like sometimes transitioning out of sport becomes (laughs) traumatic to some extent because your previous structure um is completely different you're interacting with three or four people a day as opposed to 70 um or you're like you're not you're not training together you're training by yourself now so health and fitness change which means your physiology changes all that kind of stuff so it's, it's, it's all i i enjoy talking about that stuff the the training and fitness side of it too but obviously like it's just uh it's a it's a very cool thing to play on a team sport past high school, and it's obviously something I'm very grateful for uh, at all the levels. It's just a it's a tremendous experience with that you get to share with a lot of like-minded people, and you kind of get seared together as you strive for goals and go through hardship and adversity. And it's just a uh, I don't know if you if you think about it as a whole, college football is pretty dang cool.
0: Definitely, definitely. What are sort of yeah, You mentioned sort of. Give me some, some sp- specifics there. What are some of your your favorite memories, you know, from the locker room with the guys? <laughs> uh, oh, most, of them, most
2: of them probably aren't PG rated. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, like, again, it's, it's just, like, it's chirping, guys. It's, uh, like, again, it's, like, again, it's me and Dan arguing across the line of scrimmage, like, mid-play. Like, him telling me I can't change a defense because we don't really do that on the field. <laughs> or, like, stuff like that. Like, it's just um, – yeah. And then, and then there's three there's three
1: lockers down from one another post practice, so you just it, the chirpy never stops.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it's it's that continuity of uh, of personality and wit and all that kind of stuff kind of clashing like uh, but I mean locker room stuff. I mean we're like like we make up our own games in the locker room, like like just stupid things, and then like obviously like like we have some video games that kind of stuff available to us, but um like we had bottle cap golfing and just stupid stuff like just that uh is fun that kills time that keeps you moving forward then obviously like camp kenosha and those kind of things like where you're just in like in the middle of nowhere by yourselves together like that kind of stuff it's just uh things like that stand out but um yeah it's it's just the camaraderie behind it like there's not a lot of like like i mean just it's just dumb jokes that still carry on to this day stuff like that Cause it's so it's so true.
1: It's so, it's yeah. so true.
2: And, and, yeah, I mean, it's I mean, you, it, it's tough to recall like the the specific events from the locker room that like literally are just it's just again it, it's like um, what's an array of them.
1: How about the, I just looked at the other day? We still have the uh, the interviews of us going around Kenosha asking people boxers or briefs. Like <laughs> it's still on YouTube to this day. Like I have to live with that for the
2: rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some of the mic Debs are funny that kind of stuff but uh no i mean peter it's just uh i mean it's the same thing i'm sure you go through with like with your buddies and that kind of stuff you can't recall all like the like the like the little events and that kind of stuff but like you just know like you guys have been through some stuff together and like you like you kill a lot of time together and you had a lot of laughs and it's just like a nostalgia thing and it's uh and the cool thing about it is like um Outside of like, I guess, a normal friendship, like the legacy of Northwestern football still goes on. So it's still something for us to come back to and reminisce about. And obviously, like we we have we share that same experience with the current players too, because we know what they've been through. Mostly with the same coaches too. So like we get the like we get to I guess cling to the glory days a little bit with that. Not not just glory days on the field, but off the field as well.
0: Yeah, not. I mean, that makes total sense. You know, I I nostalgic feeling. I know what you're talking about there. Uh, you did mention again, there Kenosha. I love, you know, hearing people's Kenosha stories. First (laughs) time, first time you saw Kenosha, you know, what's going
2: through your mind. Um, the first time I was up in Kenosha, like we're still running two days and that kind of thing. So it was a little bit of grind mentally, but, um, yeah, it was just, uh, that's where you kind of like, you get, you got to look yourself in the mirror the first time where again, you're grinding with guys. And at that time, like you don't have a lot of relationships built. So, um, you're kind of trying to instill your own um, – I guess you're trying to leave your own imprint on the game and on the team. So, I mean, for me, like my initial – I mean, Kenosha for me, like like I was always talking to my high school coaches and stuff while I was like in my first camp and that kind of thing. And the the thing that – I was just trying to be the most physical player I could be because that's the only way – like that's what I was taught in high school. Like physicality trumps everything. So uh, that was my goal. And like I, I kind of got – like actually before we even got to our first Kenosha, like we are doing – seven-on-sevens in the summer and I started hitting guys and, like, some of the seniors wanted to fight me my first time out. Um Ross Lane and a couple of those other guys, Jeremy, like, I like I hit Ross. <laughs> I hit Ross. Yeah, don't, can't spied. hit Ross, bro. Can't hit Ross. Well, like, he came across – yeah, so I got C.J. Pache and those guys chirping me and – but, like, so I did it a couple times and, like, I hit Ross one more time and he spiked the ball at me and, like, kind of started a little confrontation. But, um yeah, that, like, Kenosha – the first time for Kenosha was just, like – it was like get through it but like at the same time like it's not like a survival thing like you like, at some point like you have to make an impression because at that time I was I was not trying to redshirt I was trying to play football like I like I I wasn't wired to watch I was wired to compete and um I was very close to not redshirting like they kept like telling me like week one or two like oh, we, we still not, might pull it like that kind of thing but eventually it rode out to that and that's a whole nother emotional roller coaster in and of itself but uh now Kenosha is a cool experience. Again, you're just uh, it's again, it's dorm living, but it's just strictly football players, so it's just more shenanigans for the most part, and just guys killing time, just old boys killing time.
1: Yeah, I think the thing that sticks with me is the, is the walk to the locker room. It was a solid, you know, half mile, quarter mile. I mean, it was it was a far walk to the locker room, and then uh, our locker room wasn't really a locker room. Therefore, it was like a um, a wrestling room with uh folding chairs and a bag and that was your locker room for a week and uh it's uh it's,
2: it's we're, we're there like we're there like 20 days at the beginning
1: i know i think my my first my freshman year we were there for two weeks
2: oh yeah now yeah. it's there for like four days
1: yeah but like, like brian said it was like freshman year it was it was like you're just trying to be like you that transition from high school to college is like the speed of the game just is like tremendously faster everybody's fast everyone's big so like you just want to make your mark and like being physical. I still remember it was uh, I was on special teams. I was the off returner and I I popped somebody. I think it was Scott Kincannon, actually. And he was coming. He was coming. He was coming down as an R two on kickoff and I freaking I smoked him just because I was like I need to hit somebody just to prove I can do it. And Coach Fitz just ran up and he's like, "You're on the bus." And that just meant like, oh, you made it. Like you were gonna play. Yeah. So like I knew I wasn't gonna shirt and I, that was like the coolest feeling to me. It was just like. You just had to show that you were you were ready and you were gonna be physical enough to play in the Big Ten. And until he saw that, like, you know, that was that was you weren't playing. So it was just um I just like Brian said, like being physical was was something that you, you needed to do to show that you were ready to to compete with the big boys.
0: Yeah. No, I mean that makes total sense. You know, going up to Kenosha this year, you know, I could see there's so much that sort of goes on. Even now that's, you know, not two a days. I mean, you mentioned those walks. That was something, you know, Patty, Patty Fisher and Jared Thomas really emphasized to me that those walks were, you know, some of the most important, you know, parts of just not even Kenosha, but sort of the whole Northwestern experience and sort of getting sort of that aspect and like developing those relationships.
1: Oh, yeah. we. I mean, we. I mean, just like the funny things you do there. Like we had a DJ tournament in the training room, like we had literally a tournament for. Who, who played the best songs that everyone voted on while they were getting their ankles taped like the stupid things you do as a team to just pass time and you know the bond you bring is it's it's pretty funny Brian never won by the way. did you
2: win? no, I never won either <laughs> Dude, I had, I I, might have had, I might have had two second place finishes I played nothing but the hit I was gonna
1: say you played I definitely were in the semis but I only played country so i I sucked people didn't <laughs> like me. <laughs> Awesome. Brian. So like uh moving on from that, like uh let's let's move on from Northwestern. It's kind of tell us like that that journey from getting from Northwestern into the professional football world and, and, and your journey and how, how that all perspired from, you know, basically um you know pro day, which we did together, to, you know, being a special teams captain for the Houston Texans. Kind of kind of walk us through that that journey, if you could. Uh, it's a long walk.
2: Um it uh do, I mean, do it, it in
1: like a jog then, you know. Yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> a pro jog. we do a pro jog. Uh <laughs> no, it's uh it, it was interesting. Like obviously like um I thought I was in a position to at least get like a free agent contract, and that's what agents were telling me and that kind of thing. So so I chose this agent, um, went through the process, trained at TC Boost there in Chicago, um, did the pro day deal, didn't have I didn't run that well of a 40 but like other than that I had a solid pro day and um yeah I didn't end up getting one phone call on draft day which was a um terrible absolutely miserable experience to sit there with my family and not get an opportunity my first call was Pat Fitzgerald asking me what's going on what's happening and so I told him I had no phone calls so he went to battle for me which again a reason why I still love him to this day um he uh he was we had a guy down with uh the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time got anyways uh between that between Fitz and my agent got two rookie mini camp workouts with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Chicago Bears did well at both of them thought both places had conversations about (laughs) signing a free agent contract but didn't end up working out um then after that uh was just staying in shape working some odd jobs in Chicago and was able to uh My agent's like, "Hey, I'm gonna send you out to the Arena Football League um, to get you covering and like just stay in shape for when fall camp starts. If people get hurt, they'll call you." For the NFL, I was like, "All right." right." So I go out to Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, I get there, and lovely place, lovely, gorgeous place. But uh, get there, and it's not like I'm not on the team. It's a workout. There's two spots. There's 13 guys working out for two spots. So worked out, was lucky enough to be one of those 13 guys and made the team. Um, played there for four weeks as they finished out their season, playing for 289 bucks a week. And then after that, went back to Chicago, started working some odd jobs again, went and worked out for the Omaha Nighthawks in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, got invited to their training camp, so drove back to Chicago, worked for a few more weeks, and went back out to Omaha, um, which is probably it was probably July like mid midway through July after my first year or my first year out um was playing really well with them but then NFL teams had their their cuts and so they signed like four NFL safety so I got cut so I got cut from a league I didn't want to be in in the first place so then after that went back to um Chicago again and my agent at the time who he's a trash agent um uh basically <laughs> we, won't, we won't name names, we won't name names. <laughs> so frustrated but anyways he uh he, he was trying to avoid going to Canada because I was going to have to sign a two-year deal. Um, he sent out some lines, didn't really get much feedback. So I asked him for all the CFL emails and some NFL guys. So I sent out an email uh, looking for an opportunity, like wrote him a paragraph saying, like, I'll be a dog for you. Like, uh, I was a leader. Like, again, like I was first team all Big Ten, led the Big Ten in interceptions. Like, I, I just need an opportunity Um, I'll drive myself to the workout kind of deal. And, uh, only one person responded. It was the pro personnel guy for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Jeremy O'Day. He, uh, got me up there for the practice squad a couple days or sorry, a couple weeks, uh, to end that season. Then I signed a two year deal for the next two years. Um, so that was then I think 2013 and 14, uh, spent two years up there, mostly on special teams. My first year, uh, won a gray cup up there. Um, tremendous experience, a lot of great people and memories up there as well. And then, um, uh, after my second, I started on defense and special teams my second year, got enough film on both sides of that to, uh, get some workouts. But again, so this terrible agent comes up again. Um, and so the NFL teams were calling my CFL team, uh, and because they didn't have my agent's info, cause I set up my deal basically, um, besides him saying a contract number. But anyway, so I ended up getting some workouts for teams, um, and uh they like the workouts went well but uh some teams found out i had like this weird blood condition but uh so anyways this agent fumbled the ball again and i was talking to another agent at the time and uh so switched agents uh worked out for the saints they're gonna sign me but the other agent got me three other workouts with nfl teams beforehand so it wouldn't worked out for the vikings two days later and they signed me on the spot um had a good training camp and preseason with them had a couple interceptions in the preseason and they put me on practice squad then week four of that season i got signed by the texans had a really good first year led the nfl and special teams tackles only playing 12 games and then uh just contributed and added value and loved my time in houston worked my my butt off for those guys uh was eventually a special teams captain for them my last year which again was a was a huge honor and uh Something like I love doing was like helping the younger guys and developing talent and like pushing myself and all the above. Uh, I played hurt most of this last that that last season and uh, I'm actually still trying uh, to play at this point. But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my journey.
1: It's, it's pretty incredible, honestly, when you, when you think about it. And uh, you know, Peter, just talking about like adding value, like what 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 he means by that is Brian was actually he actually kicked off for the sure, sure. In, in an NFL game. <laughs> and yeah. was the back of long snapper kicked off? So, like, the, it, by adding value is it's just the more you can do to help the team. So, if you you can long snap, you could kick, you could do all these other things. Like, you just add value. Um, so that that's like kind of like a cool little insight that Brian tore his squad kicking off um, against the Vikings, was it not? Yeah, it was. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, uh, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty for, funny for the people saying <laughs> I am not a kicker. I'm a safety converted safety to linebacker, which is what I I used my time with CFL to convert to linebacker, so that I could fit a little better into the CFL or into the NFL. Right. And uh, that was my that's my story.
1: Right to all the listeners though, he looks like a kicker, so um, don't <laughs> let
2: him don't let him fool you on that one. And to all the listeners, don't confuse Jeremy with the all be ten receiver. He's more of a gym teacher now. <laughs> this is true this is true yeah. why we don't have this is why this is not on video everybody'm <laughs> Peter, Peter, i assuming you're 250 and absolutely yoked that's all I know
0: no photos we can say that yeah
2: photos photoshop's a it's a it's a drug these days it's very real <laughs>
1: Oh man, I think if this was on video we might have
2: to have you pee in a cup before we post it. <laughs> We're talking about you peeing, not me. <laughs> oh man. What else going on boys? What else what else are we chopping it up about?
0: I mean, I'm personally fascinated sort of in like the Grey Cup experience, you know. Oh. Obviously it's a huge deal in Canada. Like you never played in a Super Bowl, but you've obviously, you know, seen the spectacle. You know, what's a grey what's the Grey Cup like?
2: Um, the Grey Cup was actually incredible because, uh, so for, for, for starters, like up in the CFL, like some of the fan bases are pretty solid. Some like, it just, it's kind of hit or miss, but Saskatchewan where I was at, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, their fan base, like we sold out every home game, uh, sold out 40,000 every home game. It was a, it's a rowdy place, man, where they, like they just care about the team. They're kind of like the Packers, like they're not like owned by the city, but, um, yeah. It's owned by the fan base, but it was just a like a place that loved their football. And so for me, the, the, they actually hosted that year, they hosted the host of the gray cup that year too. So it was kind of just like, so it was a home gray cup for, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And it was just, it was electric, man. They added like another 10,000 seats with like extra, like a secondary extra level. Um, very cool to like, obviously like I, 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 like I, I played incredible that game. My family came up for it. Um, it was snow. It was snowing. Oh yeah. The week before the the week before the gray cup, um, did we practice outside and negative 41 degrees? Um, and then, um, did, yeah, the, the, the game, the, the game actually warmed up, but like, yeah. So we practiced outside for an hour and negative 41 degrees. And then the two practices before that one we we had, we traveled like ninety minutes away to the only indoor facility around and then the other day we practiced outside in negative twenty one degrees so it was just a uh, – it was it was a very cool experience like obviously i think it toughened me up a little bit but um it uh then obviously went in hoisting the gray cup drinking champagne out of it in the locker room smoking sogies all that stuff with the boys that like we like we went to war with it was uh it was incredible it was a very fun very memorable experience that i I definitely won't forget yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like a, like a hell of a time. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was definitely fun. Um, I mean, and, up,
1: and, you, and now you got a fat ring too.
2: Yeah, I got, you got you. for actually winning something too with all those bowl rings you got. Yeah, we never never were to pull out a bowl win, but um, yeah, like the again, like that's just another. That's a uh, another cool thing I take from this, this journey of football that's taught me a lot. So, and obviously like I still, I still got buddies up in Canada and then Americans that were on the team as well. So it's, uh, again, it's, it's cool what football can do. Um, again, I feel like you respect it and, um, put the time in with, with good people.
1: And I feel, I feel like the CFL is actually a lot bigger than we think here. Like, um, just being in Toronto and stuff when Toronto won the great, great cup, um, stuff like that. <laughs> it, it it's it's big in Canada. The like CFL is is I mean, outside of hockey, it's it's the thing to watch and it, it's pretty cool. So, I mean, I just remember watching that game because it was on TV, it was on ESPN, too. I just remember watching it and um, just the, the atmosphere and everything looked unbelievable. It was a pretty it looked like a pretty awesome experience.
2: Yeah, it's very cool. Like, again, like it's a smaller league. It's nine teams, but uh, it's 18 game season. Uh, it's just, uh, the level of play is very high too. It's like, it's like, it's a three down league. So there's a lot of passing. Uh, you only get, uh, really only have two downs to get 10 yards. Um, so, and it's a high scoring, like quick play clock. It's yeah, there's definitely an exciting level of play. And like, at some point, like if the NFL football keeps going in the direction it does, I don't see why they wouldn't adopt, a a Canadian version of the game where, Again, you get the you get the touchdowns and everything like it's not as a downhill run league. So there's not as much banging between the linemen and that kind of thing. Um, A lot of the runs bounce outside because the field's 10 yards wider and you have less full speed collisions and that kind of thing. So it it ends up being uh, uh, an an interesting game. But I, I mean, it's still if you watch it besides the forward motion, it's American football for the most part.
1: Yeah, it just seems it's it's a little bit safer though. Is what you're kind of getting at, you know? With uh, think, with well, all the I, I don't the
2: know, islands. I don't know all the numbers on it, but uh, I mean, they're they're they kind of paved the way a little bit for the NFL too. They've been reviewing pass interference for the last two years as well. Um, it's just a, it's a, it's a very cool, it's a very competitive league as well. Like people might think it's not the NFL that kind of thing, but a lot of the athletes up there are ex NFL guys, a lot of NFL potential. Even like all the Canadians and that kind of thing, their level of play is very high. Um, the players are earning a very good salary. I think like the league minimum now is fifty five, um, but it like which I think is more than the XFL is offering right now too. So it's just like the level guys want to play up there. Guys compete for like their, like six figure salaries. Like it's every like the level of play and the passion for the game and the and the fan base is up there There's, we we don't get exposed to a lot because foot, the NFL football down here is a year round thing with the combine and the draft um and like obviously uh super bowl goes to february like it's it's become a thing here and uh it's it's i it's definitely overlooked and it's uh i'm i'm extremely grateful for the cfl being there to one allow me a chance to live out my dream and open the door to the nfl but also to yeah just to let me experience one their country but two like just that level that that level of play it was cool yeah
1: Plus, I mean, plus you know, Canadian beer is you know just like moonshine. So. Gonna,
2: <laughs> Hell yeah, um, yeah. No, it's, yeah. I mean, on top of that, like, I'm not gonna incriminate myself, but like, yeah, I, I found a way to make some uh, money on the side from uh, the excessive uh, tobacco taxes and alcohol taxes that Canada has to offer. Things, things along those lines. It just, it just, it was again like top to bottom. Uh, great experience, football um, the culture off the field. Um, the, another cool thing is just the, like the format Like we had to stay in the cities we played in too. So I got to experience the Montreal's and the Vancouver's and Toronto and Calgary with the mountains. It's just, a. Uh, I I mean, Canada's a gorgeous place on top of that. I mean, America's, just, I mean, we have the, we have the same things, but it's just, a. Uh, again, very grateful. And then uh, allowed me an opportunity to switch positions, which got me into the NFL as well. So it's just, a. Uh, I'm very grateful for my journey. Obviously Northwestern being a huge portion of that, but CFL as well.
0: You mentioned sort of getting back into the NFL, you know, what was it like sort of playing in Houston?
2: Um, Houston was awesome. Um, Initially I got down there and I had one of my training partners was on the team, John Simon uh, from Columbus, Ohio. So it was perfect. Uh, He was a Buckeye. And then him and another one of my buddies, Zach Bourne got me. So like, uh, between my last couple of CFL seasons and my first NFL season, um, I actually was able to train uh, at Ohio State University on and off a little bit with those guys, um, just because I was living in Columbus at the time, and they, some of their trainers, Anthony Schlegel, and um, those guys got me in and was allowed to train there for a little bit, which is interesting for them to adopt a, a Wildcat into there for a little bit, but... Um, uh, So with John down there in Houston, like he, like one, he vouched for me when they came to ask him like, uh, about myself as well before they signed me, um, which was cool. And then, um, once I got down there, uh, my opportunity was special teams. Like they were lacking, uh, in leadership and production on special teams. And I came from, uh, one, like that's the only reason I got an opportunity in the CFL was special teams. And then Minnesota Vikings, Mike Prefer, uh, did an incredible job with their special teams unit. And they emphasized that incredibly. And that there was a drastic difference between the Vikings special teams and the Texan special teams at the time. So I said, I'm all in on that. And Mike Frabel, who's my position coach at the time, told me go all in on that. He goes, we need it. Um, I'm built for it, that kind of thing. So I took the reins with that and just kind of, and I was producing at the time. So it was, uh, easy to fall into a leadership role with that. And so, um, that my my role was primarily special teams down there, but I, like I embraced it fully and I loved it. And like the NFL culture and the lifestyle and everything is just it's it's amazing. Like uh, again, incredibly grateful for the opportunity to one travel the country playing in some of the biggest <laughs> coliseum stadiums ever, and uh, to play against the best to do it, um, play shoulder to shoulder with some of the best to do it, um, train with some absolute animals, learn and grow on and off the field with these humans, like these savage human beings is just a very cool It's just, uh, obviously I've been kind of out of the game for last nine months to a year, a little bit. I've, I've worked out for some teams and that kind of thing, but it just, uh, uh, you start realizing, or I've started to realize how literally just how special it was. And, um, yeah, like, I mean, I, I got stories for days. Um, I got experiences I won't forget um when like afc south championships on last minute plays and those kind of things and it's just uh it's very cool it's it's very cool and I, again i grew i have a ton of relationships from it and i have a ton of experiences that like translate to usable skills in the future all those kind of things like i like i've taken a lot from the game and very grateful for that so i mean uh if you have any specific questions about houston i can i can answer them but like again uh bill o'brien's a stud uh mike vrabel is a stud uh i was lucky enough to play with some some cool guys and get mentored
1: I was going to say you you've played with some of the best people in our like our era is like you know JJ Watt, you know DeAndre Hopkins like you you've played with some of the best players of their position for our lifetime for sure. Yeah. Um, you know what what was it like sharing the locker room with those guys?
2: I think it's cool. Um again like I, like JJ's really good people. Um incredible work ethic, attention to detail is unparalleled with him. Um Hops competitiveness is, is off the charts and obviously his catching radius and ability and x factor is all there for him and that kind of thing and um uh it, it just it's just fun to see how other elite athletes um I like to lump myself in with them but it's it's not true but uh some some of those guys uh go about their business because everybody's different everybody has different things that they they hang their hat on and fundamentals and um they they bring their own perspective to the game. Nobody sees the, the the game the same either. So you start getting guys that share their experiences and their um, really how they see the game, how they see formations, how they know quarterbacks and coordinators and those kind of things. So it's 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 really an NFL locker room is very special because you guys from all backgrounds and all experiences levels from rookies to fifteen year veterans all contributing to the same cause. So you get this incredible exchange of information both from a training aspect, both of a practice, um, work ethic standpoint, um, and then to body maintenance and like being a professional and film study and uh, like all those kind of things. Like we have guys that have notebooks that are 15 years old from the same coordinators for the last 15 years. And they and like some of this stuff never changes. It just, it's very cool, um, to experience the NFL locker room and then, um, and be actively involved in, learning from those others around you. It's uh, it, it, it's very cool. And then like, obviously the longer you spend there, uh, the more like it's demystified. You see guys for their strengths and their flaws and all those kind of things too. And you start to realize everybody's doing the same thing you are. They're trying to figure it out, trying to stay in the league, trying to produce, trying to be the best, what, what, what have you. But it's uh, again, it's the, the, the football locker room, same as high school and college. Like it's, again, it's a bunch of different people working together for the same goal and you're seared together through adversity of training camp and stress from coaches or whatever it ends up being like all those kind of things just kind of sear you together for that year and potentially some guys for forever. So that kind of stuff is, uh, is why I love the game and why Houston was special too. Cause we had a lot of guys that cared and uh, from the elite player to again, guys like special teams, guys to like guys that are there for a few weeks. It's just, it's, it's, it's a cool, it's a cool, cool environment.
1: You you touched on it there, but the thing that like I always thought thought was crazy is like no one really understands is uh, the locker room in the NFL is basically a revolving door, just people getting cut, signed. It's it's new people every every week. It's um like can can you touch on that? Just like how how like stressful was you know being on a, on an NFL team trying to hold that roster spot. Especially being just a special teams guy, like not a core player. Like, you're much like me, where I, I, I got cut every single week in Jacksonville. Like, it's like how stressful that was and, and, and just trying to keep your job and, and everything
2: like that. Yeah, it was definitely stressful. And like a lot of it, it becomes like your own self talk. And uh, I got better and better at that as experience comes. But my, my thing was initially, like, I'm a 26 year old rookie in an NFL of 21, 22 year old rookies and that kind of thing. So, and then my first year, like once I got down to Houston, the guy that brought me in was Brian Gain. He was the, I mean, obviously uh, Rick Smith had something to do with it too, but Brian Gain was the main proponent for getting me down there. So he was always kind of chirping me in the, in the, like the lunchroom and at the sidelines of practice, like, hey, like, hey, like keep using your hands if you want to stay around or like, like little, like side comments like that just to keep me motivated and that kind of thing. So I, that kind of stressed me out. But at the same time, like, um, like like I'm still like I I carry my own lens and perspective where I knew I was producing and like I was doing well and that kind of thing. So like it was just uh I don't know like uh, my first year was definitely stressful just because you want you want the the dream to live on and that that stress is always there on yourself. Um, but so like you like I for me it was it was a roller coaster. It hit me like on like on cut days and that kind of thing where. God, I want to. I want to keep doing this and that kind of thing. But uh, it's definitely there's, there's definitely a ton of pressure to keep your job until you get established. Like the, that's why a lot of guys in the NFL one like they obviously called NFL not for long. But two, uh, the hardest part is getting your foot in the door. Like you have to establish uh, equity with coaches and teams, and um, you have to be a professional and do your job consistently um, in order to earn that equity and add that value to a team to where you get. Some type of leverage to where you can get comfortable enough to stay around, develop habits that make you successful, that make you elite, and uh, obviously make them want you to continue to resign you. And if not, another team resigns you, and that kind of thing, and so on and so on. So it's just uh, yeah, dude, it's uh, sometimes it's stressful, sometimes it's the best job in the world, and I did right. so. It's just, and I, I don't think anything that good in life comes with without bad sides to it, and that's one of them, but uh uh, again, grateful that I got four years into the NFL, even though I started at 26. And, um, again, praying for five, praying for five years still, but all that stuff is just, uh, it's, it's a blessing. And obviously I know you, I mean, you've talked about it time and time again, what, what you learn from the experience and, um, what you truly take, take from it. So it's just, uh, it's been again, again, even just to be able to talk to you about that stuff is cool. So it's just, uh, yeah, you know, again, that's, I guess that's my perspective on that
1: absolutely well brian dude we, we appreciate you coming on to the show man and um we uh we thank you for for letting us hear, hear your journey and you know everything you've been through it's it's pretty uh extraordinary and exceptional i mean um there's not a lot of people who would stick with it that have the the determination and, and grit that that you showed uh throughout your professional career and uh, again like you said hopefully it's not over um just a little stepping stone here but um you know we really thank you for for being on our show and um appreciate um you giving us your insight and um your kind of your experience at northwestern
0: yeah yeah thank yeah as jeremy said thank you so much brian you know we really appreciate it now we hope hope the listeners had a good time you know listening to this this invigorating and awesome conversation uh definitely my favorite podcast done so far Do you agree with that jeremy
1: yeah, it's 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 been uh, you know less serious, more uh, you know more uh, uplifting, I would say, and just uh, kind of just uh, telling people how it really is, man. I think uh, they need to hear it, and it's kind it's kind of good getting a, an ex cat in here and and having to hear your story
0: again. Thank you all for uh, for listening. Feel free to you know give us reviews, uh, you know give us your feedback, give us those five star reviews on everywhere you listen to podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Apple iTunes. Uh again for, for Brian Peters and Jeremy Ebert, uh I'm Peter Warren. Wish uh, you uh fine a fine day and, and go cats. Go cats, baby. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger.